Hello guys, uh, welcome to Mind Podcast 34.0, uh, your weekly source for, I won't even say news and views, just analysis and debates now, but, <laughs> yeah, but we also try to cover the week's news. Uh, this is Adit Kapadia, uh, <coughs> coming to you on yet another Newsy Week. Uh, together with me are Pramod Kumar Buravalli and Sunanda Vashisht. Um, we are going to be talking about what, uh, what dominated the, this week's news. And uh, we had some uh, fascinating debates over some um, uh, news issues. Issues. As you may recall, in Mind Podcast 33.0, uh, uh, me and Sunanda, we, we did say that we would talk about the Syrian refugee crisis in the podcasts, uh, uh, you know, on the upcoming podcasts. And this is this is going to be the podcast we're going to be talking about that. So basically, we're going to have discussion on two topics. So it's going to be a two-part podcast. The first part, we're going to talk about this uh, meat ban or advisory or whatever that has gone on and has dominated the media discourse or at least a part of the media discourse. And the second part is going to be about the Syrian refugee crisis, uh, what this means for Europe, what this means for the Middle East and, you know, what caused this all and what's the way forward. So um, it's going to be two very uh, talked about topics uh, in one nationally in India and the other internationally. It's been taken up big time. So uh, let's kick, our, kick it off. So Sunanda, if you want to just give our listeners a brief overview of the meat ban. Okay. Thing. Hi, Adit. Hi, Pramod. Hi. Um, and hello to our listeners. Um, it's It's been a wonderful week. What is your beef with me? <laughs> <laughs> the week should be called, what is your beef with me? Uh, exactly. Uh, but anyway, it has been a, a, a funny week. <laughs> I, I dismissed this in the beginning because it just seemed one of those silly uh, things that politicians uh, get into but suddenly this has become such a big issue now you know taking the 9 time 9 p.m news slot and everyone seems to be talking about it um, as happens big issues always get um, clouded by silly issues mm -hmm. but then if it is on people's mind we have to talk about it um, first of all just to give you a little 30 second overview about the whole situation this is not a ban it's a temporary restriction, if you were to say. Now the liberal in you can tell me that, you know, there should be no temporary restriction either. But then we have to use, for this debate, we will always use proper nomenclature. We won't go with the word ban because there is no ban. Nobody is stopping you from eating meat in your own house or mm -hmm. procuring it from somewhere else and eating it or going to a restaurant and eating it. The only restriction was for the few days of pollution um, on the slaughter and mm -hmm. sale of meat um, openly in that Mira Bhender area. You could obviously go. It was not an all India ban that, you know, mm -hmm. if you eat meat, you will be put into jail. So um, uh, let's put things into perspective here. When I talk about this meat ban I will quickly say that I think it's about three issues and this this um, rests on three legs the first is dietary um, preference of people we're not even going to take that up because everyone all three of us agree and most people most sane people agree that the state should not interfere in your dietary preferences you eat what you eat the state has nothing to do with it so we are not even going to get into this vegetarianism non-vegetarianism to be it because i think it's a lazy debate and it takes you nowhere mm -hmm. so that's one part of it the second part of it is politics which i will um, uh, you know uh, adit i know will who understands uh, maharashtra politics very well he will get into it in more detail but i just want to give a little bit of um, this thing that 
since 1964 this restriction has been in place so decades of this uh, thing where people have said that for two days let's let's just have this um, restriction no one has said anything about it no one has been i didn't even know it existed so most people probably didn't even exist i'm sure Adit, you didn't know it existed in mm -hmm. mirabhander so um, i've never been to mirabhander yeah <laughs> so you probably didn't know and you're someone who has who been to bombay, bombay million tons times. Of times yeah so you didn't know so most people didn't know suddenly it's become a national issue so most people didn't know mm. so it doesn't seem like people who were living in Mirabandaria, this restriction really bothered them or otherwise they would have spoken about it. if I am doing any zulm on you you will obviously mm. at some point in four decades you will come up and talk about it so you didn't do it I mean these Mirabandar people didn't do it so it's clearly reeks of politics and I will let you um, get into that um, in detail the third point that I'm interested in mostly is the whole and which we will take up in detail is this whole minority issue in India do minorities have a right to ask their government for special favors or not that is the debate i am interested in but i will let you get into it um Pramoji, a little bit and then others will talk about the politics of it i think i i, I don't understand this concept of banning meat at, in a certain area during a certain period of time hmm. uh, again if um, uh, that same person in living in that area really wanted to eat meat. All he has to do is drive 20 kilometers. He'll probably, yeah. Or bring so, it from somewhere and eat in his own or home. Or bring it from, yeah. Nobody is yeah, going to no check, check every single thing you have in your Restaurants. So, so this whole concept, I think, uh, arises of two areas. And since I am a, a big believer in conspiracy theories, and I don't know who initiated this whole debate of trying to get uh, Sivasena and BJP at loggerheads with each other, or the constituencies within the BJP. Now, the BJP, which essentially had a very um, kind of an upper caste sort of a, a, um, electoral, um, I would say, um, base, base mm. uh, has now moved on to the OBC, the STs, uh, which obviously for, for historically uh, people who have taken to eating meat, they, this is a very emotional, if you basically talk to them about eating meat versus not eating meat as some sort of a spiritual... Uh, this thing this uh, ends up becoming a very tricky um, you know debate between the constituents within the BJP so I don't know if BJP in, in, uh, at a central level or at even the state level wanted to initiate this discussion or debate so something is awry on that debate mm. uh, I see the Congress trying various different things um, to try to cash uh, you know cash in on anything that might come out of the social coalition that mm. BJP has been assiduously and the the Sangh has been also trying to go and talk a little bit of in general terms, which is the Hindutva umbrella, if you can call it. There, there is politics like you're uh, rightly pointing to. There is all, obviously this confusion as to what constitutes uh, uh, meat eating on a specific day versus eat, meat eating on a uh, on 365 uh, on days. the other days. So this controversy is very uh, kind of um, hits at the center of Hindutva. I, I think it's uh, it it might be a longer controversy uh, that we are seeing the the kind of sparks in in, in the mm -hmm. initial stages right now. No, but coming to coming to the specifics of this concept, one one caveat though, I I myself am a Jain, so if I'm taking a passionate position on this, you know you know why. But I, I'll tell you, you I, are allowed to take two positions yes, on it as yes. a Jain and as a political commentator. But but yes, and and, and I'm a liberal socially, so uh, of course it, the liberal in me tells me that I don't want to impose my food beliefs, what I think, you know, I I observe these. Eight days of pollution i'm you know i don't eat uh, root vegetables um, that 
I'm not going to tell A or B that, okay, you're supposed to stop eating meat or something just as a, you know, sign of respect. I will tell them what my religion says. And there are some, some of, you know, friends or say, they're like, okay, you know, on Samvatsari, which is our holy day, we will not cook meat or we will not do this. And that's out of respect. That's a different issue. But you cannot impose your beliefs on that. So in that, on that limited point, I'm, you know, completely against a ban or even circular given to that. But now coming to the politics of it. You, um, you know, you had in Bombay, the Shiv Sena and the MNS taking this uh, position that, okay, you know, uh, we are going to, uh, we are not going to follow the ban or we are going to oppose the ban. Chalo, TK, you oppose the ban. But what gives you the right to go outside a giant place of worship? I, I don't know whether it was a temple or an Upashra. You had pictures today. Upashra is where, you know, uh, sadhus live. I mean, so I, the exact place is yet to be determined. Uh, but they, they were cooking meat outside. You know, now there is there is one thing about uh, Jains allowing, the, you know, not objecting to, you know, you, whatever you do, like down, down the street, if you own a store or whatever. Mm -hmm. But why desecrate a place of worship by doing this terrible. when you know that Jains abhor, uh, you know, eating meat or whatever uh, that. And then... Um, Apart from that, you had this insane kind of uh, uh, parade of people like taking chickens on the road and you know what not. I mean, you that was all rubbish. But I do want you to talk about the uh, political contours of BJP and uh, Sena in this. Yeah. So, so as far as the as far as the uh, the BJP the BJP and Sena goes, I think what troubles the Sena a lot is that BJP in the 2019, 2014 uh, Maharashtra Assembly elections emerges the poll party in Bombay. If I'm not mistaken, they go, I think they got 16 seats to Sena's 15 or a little mm -hmm. more and the vote percent was a little higher out of the 36 or 40 seats in the greater Bombay area. It has always been that Sena has always been the dominated part, dominating partner in the Mumbai area, and it was always seen as the party of the Mumbai Konkan Belt with BJP adding on, and that's uh, that's where you that's that's how you used to get this BJP Sena combined in Maharashtra. So what has happened is, and and this was always portrayed that oh Shiv Sena will take care of the Marathis, BJP take care of the Gujaratis, and together we'll win the BMC Mumbai election. That was not the case. The Gujaratis have never voted as a bloc. Probably they did in 2014 Lok Sabha elections, but that was a different issue and I mean there is again no verifiable mm -hmm. trend to suggest majority of the Gujaratis may have voted the BJP way. What the Sena is wants to do now is if before to stop the BJP's rise as the poll party in the Mumbai Municipal Corporation and definitely the elections that are coming in 2017 portray that BJP is a party of Gujaratis, Jains and so forth and Sena will take up the Marathi cause. Now, so I'll is it driving the wedge between Marathis and Gujaratis? No, it, it, this is not going to drive the wedge because Mar I know majority of the Marathis, all the Marathis I know are, are with us on this issue that you can't go outside, uh, you know, giant places of worship and, you know, this is not, you are not espousing any Marathi cause by cooking meat outside giant places of worship. So you think this will backfire even amongst Marathis? Absolutely. It has. It has backfired. Uh, the, the thing is, and again, to clarify, Shiv Sena did not do this. MNS did this. But uh, both of them seem to be going for the same uh, constituency, and this is this will backfire. I I don't think uh, you know they, this can drive the wedge. 
so you know there was some historical friction and you know bal thakre in the initial years of the sena did exploit it to the hilt but i'll tell you there is no real wedge i mean i know marathis would lovingly celebrate navratri and do garba and gujaratis would i mean they celebrate ganesh chaturthi then more no, than no, some no, of my marathi friends yeah, do and here. i don't think anybody so, will uh, no, if but, sena thinks that they will be able to drive a wedge or mm. they will be able to drive this then they're still living in the 90s politics and they must move and, away and from it, it. And, and, but i just want to say but, one, just thing, one, okay. one last point and it doesn't really matter whether you know i eat meat i don't eat meat i have mm-hmm. eaten meat i doesn't you know you eat onions and potatoes mm-hmm. or you don't in this debate it's about can you uh, you know do do go to a place of worship and do this can will raj thakre go to other places of worship and do things and which are i do want banned? to say when you said that it was mns which did this outside of jain dera sir i don't know who it was huh. for me it doesn't matter if mns did it or exactly. um, uh, sena did it because sena in their um, uh, Samna mouthpiece. They hmm. wrote that where would Jains go if they have no other country to go? They're not like Muslims. Yeah, how dare so, they how say? Dare they? How yeah. dare they say such a thing? Yeah. You know, did Jainism uh, b- b- evolve in some other country? It came out of that's, India. That's rubbish. How? I I I I, th- I really think Uda Thakre should apologize for that statement. That that statement made if me can, very if angry. If he can, if he can, if he can, Samna with Samna, that 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 would be a fair this thing. I don't know why Uda Thakre is descending to that level because he has no... where they 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 were the one. Who that participated? Yeah, uh, they they are just uh, descending to a, a chaotic level. But I don't want this conversation to be a macho kind of discussion between people who eat meat versus who don't eat yeah. meat. Because mm-hmm. I am a vegetarian. I've been a lifelong vegetarian. Never had the inclination to go towards meat because I've always believed in vegetarianism as some some inclination to. Uh, preserve life as it exists and not interfere and try to fill my stomach by uh, taking away life from anybody or anything. And no, but honestly, I feel uh, this debate is inconclusive. We can talk about it forever. What is better and what is good for environment? And but that's a completely different debate. That is not the debate. That, that debate is not central to this issue. This is basically a political thing. So I uh, I am a board that. Sena guys or people who came on the roads, they did not go. So what happened really is that maybe a mayor or somebody proposed this in the civic um, body that let's have these two days or four days or five days or six days, whatever, as a temporary restriction. Why was this issue not raised there in the um, corporation or in the you know civic body? Then no, we oppose this. And if everybody, if every Marathi had opposed this, then this um, you know this ban or this temporary restriction would not even have come no, into place d- so what is the reason for coming and slaughtering the um, chickens on the roads of um, bombay to make a point that uh, is or in that Kashmir, is where uh, you know shabir shah basically slaughtered a cow, cow in the middle, middle of, of pulwama in a road on a choraha he presided over slaughtering of a cow for what reason bjp has nothing to do with anything the law that is, exists in kashmir that has been existing since dogra rule and since 1947 Kashmiris have been ruling the state. I mean, there has always been a Kashmiri chief minister. Go and change the law that may, that prohibits um, selling and uh, slaughter of um, cows. I think. So why make it a BJP versus everybody else? Because issue? Th- this this comes up only when BJP is in power. You know, yeah. two two years ago, this you know the Sena has ruled the BMC uh, for forever. Forever. I mean, with the BJP in alliance, yeah. right? So and also uh, this, if you in the Maharashtra has seen Congress NCP government for. 15 years from 1999 to 2014 yeah. uh, 
I don't recall any debate like this ever. And happening. also the basic fallacy in Udav Thakre's and this thing that we don't oppose two-day ban, but we oppose four-day ban. No. Are, what is this thing? You know, what is two-day versus four-day? Either you oppose it, the restriction or you don't oppose no, the restriction. No, no, no. And, and it, it was not because even, now it has been. It, uh, it was not even about opposing. And I, I told you many of us. I mean, I first of all, I was not aware of some something like that uh, existing. Yeah. So, I do want to say mm -hmm. one thing. I want to say. That there is a very interesting anomaly that I noticed here. When it comes to Jains, then our liberals don't stand up. Mm. And that that really broke my heart also and also brought out their hypocrisy. And I will bring you this, uh, bring to forth this point that on Diwali, we are told a lot of this PETA and all these PETA liberals and everybody, people for ethical prevention of uh, animals and all the ethical treatment of animals, they come up and say, Please don't do too many um, crackers and firecrackers because our animals get scared, dogs get scared, and everybody gets scared. This is all this PETA group and all these groups, mm. you know. When Jans come up and say, I'm not against the ban, I'm saying it against, I am against the ban, I do not want any restriction. But at the same time, I'm pointing out to the hypocrisy that if the firecrackers bother you so much because animals are getting scared, so if a Jan community asks for temporary restriction of slaughter of animals for two days, is, why would this PETA community not say that, you know, they, they have a point. If this is something when they are asking for forgiveness or something, let's, why don't we, uh, in the interest of being a pluralistic society, why don't we agree? These are a micro minority. Why don't we agree with them? And so I, the crackers bother you, but slaughtering of animals doesn't bother you? No, I wanted to bring this point. The, pe the people who are supporting the uh, ban or advocating that something, they, they believe that, you know, 365 days that this thing happens, you know, on this holy day or something, even if, what if they also don't commit this yeah. crime? That's the thing. I, again, I uh, I don't think that should be, it should be a personal choice in my opinion. If you yeah. want to eat, eat. If you don't want to eat, don't eat. If you want to run a business, run. Yeah. If you don't want to do, run, you know. Uh, so, it, and my eating habits vary from, out, you know, these eight days of pollution, I don't even eat root vegetables and stuff. But outside of it, I eat a lot more things that my, my more, a lot of people in would my communities eat? would not eat. But that's again, that's my choice, you know. that It's not central to this debate. No, no, we have agreed in this debate that uh, state needs to stay away from dietary restrictions of people they do not need to impose any restrictions but at the same time we do want to expose hypocrisy of everyone and i do blame bjp for everything you know i have uh, I've been pretty vocal about you know uh, blaming them for things when they are wrong but here i do not think this is bjp's fault i i would be very upset if anybody um, points out that this is anything related to bjp right I know I agree. So I think that 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 pretty much uh, ends the debate on this. We have a we had a very fiery, passionate debate on this. Hopefully, uh, we tried to cover all aspects of it. And you know what, Sunanda, you were saying about the 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 minority thing, right? If you have uh, if you have restrictions. Uh, have them for all my I don't support this restriction first of all I have to say I completely I was opposed to this labeling Jains as minorities when yeah. this was started two years ago I was like you're dividing it we don't need the minority status but since they are a micro minority do they have any right to a special favors if they don't then nobody else does. absolutely I don't believe we should have any right to any special favors anywhere but no one else should as well yeah. but you know in my case don't have it for anyone <laughs> that's that's what my position on this would be so I guess on that note promote any closing comments no, I on think this? Uh, you know vegetarianism is uh, something that I have always been very passionate about in in terms of what India has given to the world whether it is yoga whether it is so many of these um, dharmic traditions, 
most of the traditions center around non-violence and the pursuit of truth and in in most aspects of it uh, you would see that vegetarianism or the ability to uh, acquire strength without physically harming any other living human being is the core of uh, development of inner strength and i am a firm believer and i espouse vegetarianism but i will not uh, equate anybody who is eating meat uh, to the levels that the others have uh, kind of yeah. descended to I think everybody has an equal access to uh, spiritual, uh, you know, strength. Uh, but at the same time, I do espouse vegetarianism very which openly. Which is fine. Yeah. 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 And which is your choice. Which, and yeah, exactly. Which is your choice, choice and uh, is, as every, could be everyone else's choice, choice. Whatever I mean, choice it is. Yeah. As so, I said, this is not going to be a debate about vegetarianism or non-vegetarianism. That is your choice completely. We do want to talk about this blatant hypocrisy of Everyone. Everyone on yes. this. And this is, you know, I, I love it. Whenever BJP government comes, you have the hypocrisy of the liberals coming out even more. Yes. Because they try to find, they try to find this, yeah. oh, this ban culture. And then someone tells them, ki bhai, bhai, saal se hi chal hai. So, uh, aapne to kuch bola nahi tha because, you know, you had yeah. a government that was favorable to you in power. So anyways, on that note, we move on to part two of the debate about the Syrian refugee crisis. An equally passionate, if not less uh, passionate one. And uh, get perspectives on that. Before we get to our uh, next topic, um, I do want to say that this is MindMakers production. This Mind podcast is brought to you by the MindMakers team. This uh, podcast is produced and edited by Adit Kapadia with the help of our team in India. The panelists for the um, podcast are Adit Kapadia, Pramod Kumar Buravalli and Sunanda Vashisht, which is me. So um, another uh another news or another uh, set of incidents that has been dominating the uh, <coughs> world's news this week was the Syrian refugee crisis. This is the real crisis unlike the previous one. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. The and previous one is not a crisis. It's not a crisis. It's a manufactured crisis. This has meat in it. This, <laughs> this has real meat in it. That one has no meat in it. That what, was the, no meat what was the beef about that? The uh, real, uh, the real, the real meat is, is right here. Huh? Yeah. So um, the a picture, you know, that dominated Newsweek was the very heartbreaking picture of the two-year-old or three-year-old. Three-year-old three Turkish kid. Doesn't matter. It was a small kid yes. uh, drowning. A life lost is a life lost. Uh, uh, drowning in the in the sea and then a lifeguard taking him out. But that it is one of the millions. It's one of the millions. And, you know, let's not make two bones about it. This The, the crisis in Syria has been going on for a long time. And so many people have been sorted. So many homes have been destroyed. So many families have been ruptured. And uh, Sunanda is going to give you a brief a statistical overview of what has gone on. And, how you know, um, kind of just putting things into perspective yeah. of what. And then we'll talk about the, the debates around it. Sure. As everyone knows that Syrian crisis started in 2011. And it started with the protest against uh, Assad government which led to the nasty civil war. The nasty civil war um, then led to the rise of ISIS, um, which we as know the Islamic State has uh, made some strong inroads in Syria and Iraq in yeah. that um, mm -hmm. region. And they are into creating this caliphate and they are killing and maiming and destroying everything in their wake. It's a medieval barbaric force that has come up. But because of that, uh, what has happened is people are saying, and I got these uh, numbers which were completely 
horrifying. 49% of Syrians are fleeing at the moment as we talk about this thing. According to CNN, one of every five displaced person on the planet today is a Syrian. One of every five. There are about 10.6 million people who are um, affected by this crisis overall, but half the population of Syrians is uprooted. One out of two Syrians in Syria has either fled home or is killed. One out of two. 6.5 million Syrians are displaced. 4.1 million, this is from the UN records, 4.1 million refugees are abroad. 310,000 have been killed more or more and 10.6 million uh, Syrians are still in their homes waiting to be rescued or waiting to be killed. They have typically moved to Turkey, Lebanon and Jordan, which are the surrounding states, areas. neighboring areas. 4.5 million have been registered by UN, but they're estimating the number to be um, much more. Uh, as long as the Syrians were there in the neighboring states, uh, it seemed a pretty, you know, uh, not many seem to be talking about it. Now that they are moving beyond Turkey to Europe, that is the time when the Syrian refugee crisis has blown over. And uh, two things that people are talking about, and I will let Pramod come in on that. There are two issues right now that are being talked about. Uh, one is, what should Europe do? They are coming there. It's a huge humanitarian crisis. As I said, these are millions of people displaced. What should Europe do? We do know that there, they, um, there are demographic crises. There is um, uh, resource crunch. But what should Europe, European countries do at the same time? And then, Adit, I want you to come in and talk a little bit about the hypocrisy of Arab states. We do know that Gulf states of Saudi, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, Qatar, Kuwait, and Bahrain, they are buying themselves out of this crisis. They are giving blood money, as to speak. No, they no. are saying, we will give you money, and you go and uh, yeah, take care of Yeah, we will talk about that. Yeah, so but let's promote, promote come in first. I, I think, just to give you a historical perspective, also prior to 2011, I have been tracking uh, that uh, region, the Anatolia region, uh, since the 80s when the biggest war that broke out in that region was not the Gulf War, which was towards the end of the 80s, but the Iran-Iraq War, yeah. which was basically Seven, eight years a quintessential Shia-Sunni conflict to take... Um, uh, you know, take the power of the uh, the Middle East in, into their hands. Mm -hmm. But prior to that, there there has been an entity which is uh, called the Ba'ath Party. The mm -hmm. Ba'ath Party was essentially an effort to unify Arab, Arab states Arab. into one uh, conglomeration. This was anti imperialist Saddam Hussein was Ba'ath from Ba'ath Party. Saddam Hussein, Assad, uh, Bashar mm -hmm. al-Assad is, is a Ba'ath Party guy. And these were people who were ruling under a common, I would say, manifesto. The manifesto was to unite Arabs under a socialist sort of regime, uh, ally with the Soviet Union. We, at that point, that was the only country that, irrespective of your religious ideology, was supplying them the weapons and the kind of wherewithal necessary. Egypt was also one of the potential uh, uh, additions to that. And then United Arab Emirates. So all of these countries were trying to go away from the Western bloc and trying to establish their own independence under the Ba'ath Party. And Syria was a very big geographical entity which uh, had the Ba'ath Party's uh, mm -hmm. loyalists and their uh, generations rule the, the country. Then Saddam Hussein was uh, on and off with the Soviets, on and off with the, the United States. And because of after the, um, the Shah Reza, Reza Pahlavi, uh, fleeing in uh, 78, 79 time frame, 
when Khomeini took over, mm-hmm. the the United States started supporting Saddam Hussein in the 80s. So this was back and forth. This is a playground for the West and between uh, Russia and now also China to kind of play each uh, power. Uh, everybody is back different sides as it suits mm. them. It suits At their that interest. point in time, their, mm. their sale of their military equipment and oil, for yeah. oil and for so many different it's reasons. A that the theater region, of war. That's the a theater. Never has been independent. They proclaimed to be independent, but. The recent visit just to add but, one line if there was ever a theater of absurd it is the middle east probably anyways no go. but middle east also has the, they have themselves to blame because the renaissance which should have happened moving forward which the the indian civilization has, is beginning to see the chinese have beginning to see which was go, going towards science and technology has taken them backwards now yeah. who is isis <coughs> isis are basically the same baath party mm. sunni loyalists that are yeah. running amak they were yeah. po- possibly part of the republican guard of both syria and iraq mm. they were displaced for various reasons some are uh, supported by certain tribes that have been historically persecuted so all this gory you know ghastly things we see on tv with uh, the the executions are basically revenge murders you know mm. they, they, the guys no, but- who are in power versus who are not in power mm. So the the beleaguered uh, Assad regime is now only supported by Russia, mm. other than and Iran and, and Iran to a certain extent, uh, because Iran wants to reclaim that space right now. Late there is also the Shia Sunni divide. There is also the Shia Sunni divide, and the refugee crisis is a spillover of this. The the old party loyalists who are probably living in different pockets and uh, who have been um, you know, gassed or who have been attacked by chemical weapons and who have been. Uh, basically the republican guard of the syrian army is run, running amok uh, in certain parts of the mm. syrian capital they, they still don't have full ca- control over it uh, and now the spillover effect is happening towards turkey towards the other parts which is um, some uh, connection turkey has a, 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 a geographical presence in uh, the greek islands also some of the islands are disputed mm. so this spillover effect is naturally because these Syri- these refugees are really persecuted refugees these are not people who are fleeing and trying to in- invade uh, europe as it mm. is being uh, uh, seen and europe uh, has a very big crisis on its hands whether they 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 have been historically exposing the the kind of um, uh, uh, you you would say the the kind of um, uh, support they have been pro- providing to these um, persecuted communities. Now this is going out of hand. No, but this is then, then For, this is where it comes. This is where it comes from Europe. Like now we move on to the middle of the Middle East uh, debate. Um, the debate moves on to the Middle East, mm-hmm. right? These why couldn't these refugees also would have been taken in such certain Middle Eastern countries? It Who is could, like uh, Sunandaji rightly said the earlier day, uh, earlier in the day that you know it's Im- imagining Kashmiri pundits who are persecuted in Kashmir hmm. now trying to go towards Pakistan. Hmm. You know yeah. they have no other choice but to come towards Delhi or Jammu. Huh. This is this is no no I mean, but so the, the, so the, 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 they can't come to Saudi Arabia or Qatar or UAE. No other country. Even though even though so and Saudi Arabia well, but have, has Saudi Arabia even offered to? them that's my question and uh, what Saudi Arabia is doing is they are offering to build mosques in Germany and stuff that uh, these people have gone so we are going to build 200 mosques but, uh, 300 mosques he said for uh, one uh, for every hundred uh, refugees or anything but you also have to understand with Gulf states they have if assimilation is the question that we often talk about as refugees then 
assimilation to would be easier in gulf states they have the same race same religion same language no, not the tribe. but then no, this is also a racial issue this is also exactly you these people who are from uh, syrian um, descent. Uh, arab descent again mm-hmm. have a historical affinity to the assyrian civilization and they are the ones who have actually protected some of those <coughs> monuments which are being broken down no, and raised yeah. to the ground by ISIS. No, yeah. but but then so Sorry, they, go on, they go belong on. to a different tree, a tribe of Arabs. You know, they are yeah. not really Arab Arab. Mm. They are the real Arabs are in Saudi Arabia, in United Arab Emirates. So there is this racial. Uh, so, but that's uh, uh, which comes to fascinating. But I was watching Bill Maher's debate yesterday, whose whose views on the Middle East are well known. But he brought, he brought up a fascinating point. So the solution: you are not going to defeat the conservatism or a ridiculous uh, thing that has been happening in the Middle East uh, the, by you know taking uh, all the refugees, all the moderates uh, come and. settle in europe yeah. you know and another thing uh, which which he keeps on repeating and i kind of you know it's a very point to ponder over that the isis has a limited fight force what 30000 50000 i i don't know the exact numbers mm-hmm. but the combined strength of the middle eastern army who are opposed to the isis are roughly in the millions they are not opposed to the isis no 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 yeah. that's why i'm putting in their quotes yeah. quote, quote and quote opposed yeah. to the isis are in the millions right when they can't do anything to in, defeat the isis instead of this these other arab states looking towards the future which is towards again like i say say science and technology that they're looking backwards and looking to isis for motivation to lead them into the new islamic world which is unfortunate the countries you know rajnath singh made a good statement that probably uh, the leadership from from um, uh, the islamic world cannot come from the middle east probably will come from the rest of the asia So yeah, it's 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 a fascinating debate. I don't think uh, you know we the solution to that also would be that all European countries can just uh, uh, have all the uh, refugees come in and stuff. I yes, I sympathize with the refugees. Don't get me wrong. You know, I don't want to sound like a. But the solution to this has to be found in Middle East. And in their own countries, uh, in their and own not countries. in other countries. But that is but then again, what happen. promotes point is also that for the future, yes, we do need to find a solution in the Middle East. But right now, the crisis. is on our hands you know iska kya kare but i do want to ask you there is also a crisis of leadership in arab world do you remember a tall leader in no. arab world for a long time no i don't been. remember there in has fact, never been that is there another problem too there has been no the, tall squabbling there are internal fightings that are going on and then also you have to even, understand so no visionary even, tall even up till up till about 100 years ago the ottoman visionary the ottomans Uh, which were basically turkish people and are not considered arabs Arab. and not pure muslims according mm. to some arabs mm. uh, were the leaders yeah. and before that uh, salahuddin or uh, the ma- ma- major leader who won some of the crusades for mm. the islamic world was of somewhere around the Az- azerbaijan armenian descent yeah. so you they have never gotten leadership that uh, basically provides enlightenment that has only come from other uh, non arab uh, denominations uh, yeah a lot of muslims do um, resent house of saud as well big time the wahhabi uh, school has wahhabi school time, has failed big time they have not been able un- to provide un- any kind of leadership unfortunately for the islamic world there is no light at the end of the tunnel yeah. unless some sufi tradition takes uh, center stage as far as their no, social but again, social inclinations are concerned and the kind of backwardness do you see iran that coming out from iran uh, could be 
So Iran has always provided good leadership in the past. Now yeah, I don't now know the past. But then again, Sunanda, I was coming to that. That is also if they go back to their Persian roots. No, maybe. but there is also this Sunni Possibly. block versus Shia block that Saudi is desperately trying yeah, to create right. because it wants to be a leader of, of a Sunni, Sunni block, block. Yeah. and then you know want to portray as Iraq is a Shia. They are only leaders of Shia blocks, and then there are also countries but where the population. But this divide uh-huh. is it. It also makes me think that this divide is as old as Prophet Muhammad himself. I know. So and, at some point, and I would like to plug a old podcast that we did on the. Yemen crisis. Yes. Uh, I think podcast eleven or twelve. Do listen. We have talked about this Sunnishia crisis where in very extreme detail. Where and and especially in Yemen, such a small country where it continues to manifest itself. No one seems to be talking about Yemen or what's the current thing. And the sad part is there are so many crises that are in the Middle East that the world media is moving from one to another. Every country in Middle East is a crisis. Change should be the only constant for any civilization to rejuvenate itself. And the way things are moving forward, especially in Europe and. Uh, in the western civilization the more technically advanced you are the more confident you become yeah. you know it's it's uh, science and spirituality the mixture mm. of it which only will take your country or culture culture forward and yeah, that's an excellent point on you know to uh, conclude this part of the debate uh, since i haven't said that in a long you can follow us on our uh, twitter accounts uh, i tweet at, at @ask0704 sunanda so tweets at, at s u n a n d a v a s h i s h t i'd run out of practice and promote tweets at, at p b u r a v a l l i um, if you like please subscribe to our soundcloud or our itunes feed uh, if you like this podcast if you don't like it please do it never regardless but um, we'll we'll come up with something that you like uh, we are very inclusive <laughs> podcasters if that's the term do visit www.mind.net we've had some fantastic um, uh, debates uh, discussions arguments excellent pieces uh, this the, we just carried a piece on sandhya lahiri last uh, yesterday and uh, you know do read uh, pieces do send us our com- uh, comments and feedback um, we'll be back next week with more debates discussions and one all thank you so much also for the response that we've gotten to the mind debates with suhat shukla uh, we are truly overwhelmed and we hope to be doing more of these uh, very soon uh, hope to uh, match up your expectations and provide an alternative narrative uh, other than the one that is Uh, prevailing out there. out there so the only legitimate narrative the only legitimate <laughs> narrative after that uh, mildly narcissistic comment <laughs> i'm going to end this edition of mind podcast we'll see you next week bye